Welcome to Champion Church of the Nazarene's weekly sermon podcast. We often define ourselves by our work and our careers. However, we have found ourselves working a ton. God, in his fourth boundary of freedom, gives us the freedom to rest. Listen as we discover just how essential Sabbath is for our lives and the lives of those around us. Today we're continuing our series, Boundaries of Freedom. And Boundaries of Freedom, maybe to you, sounds like that's an oxymoron, right? Freedom is no boundaries, right? Or is it? (laughs) The reality is we, we started this series last week and we have admitted that you and I have immense amount of choice of what we can do, what we believe, what we worship in our world. And it's not just because of where we live. Everybody's been free to do whatever they wanted to do since the beginning of time. <laughs> Truly. God has always given us free will. But some of the things that we think to be freedoms in our present day actually seem to be holding us back, almost enslaving us. And last week, we began to look at the Ten Commandments in a different way than maybe you've never looked at them before. A lot of times we see the Ten Commandments and we see them as a list of do's and do nots, prohibitions, rule of law. We often look at it that way and it says, that keeps me from doing what I want. But we live in a world where you can choose whatever you want to believe and you can choose your own morals and your own values. And you know what that is? That is making ourselves a little higher than what we actually are. What that does is that makes us into our own God. And what we found out in last week's message, quite simply, that God has given us a boundary saying, I'm God and you're not, and you are free to be human. You don't have to figure it all out. I'll figure it out for you. So we get freedom to be human by allowing God to be God. God being God frees us to be human, and he is not controllable by us, and he cannot be used by us for our own devices. Friends, that should be a freeing realization to you, that God is not on one of us's side. He is on all of our sides. He wants what's best for us. All humans, not just us where we're at in our little context, every human on this earth. And so if we begin to live by the first three commandments, we will be free to be human. Today, we move to the fourth commandment. And the fourth commandment is a very unique commandment because it stands in contrast to a lot of what you and I believe you and I like to do. Because let's really be honest, we are a society that values work. Truly. We are a society that, I don't know if we love to work, but we work. We work and we work and we work and we work. In fact, if you are introducing yourself to somebody else, usually you say, hi, 
I'm Matt. What is you generally the second question that is asked of you? Well, what do you do? What is your job? Our society loves to define human beings by their work. And it's not so surprising that our work defines us far more than we like to recognize. Think about it for a second. Many of us work more than 40-hour weeks. By the way, you know where the 40-hour week came from? It came from the idea that a third of your life should be spent working, and a third of your life should be spent with the rest, with the rest of the things that you have to deal with in life, and the other third of your life is sleep. Did you know that? 40 hours is a third of the week. But if you work more than 40 hours, you know what that means? That means you are spending more, more than a third of your life working. And you know what that means? That, that means it begins to invade the time with your family, invade the time with the things that you have to accomplish at home. It invades the time of your sleep. We are a society that generally, for the most part, works more than 40 hours, far more than we used to. And if you think this is something that's new, it's not. Here are some Americans who have some things to say about work. Thomas Jefferson said this, I am a great believer in luck, and I find the harder I work, the more I have of it. Do you see the correlation there? More work means you'll be luckier. Elon Musk, CEO of, uh, of wow, Tesla and SpaceX and has terrible design aesthetic for trucks, uh, says this, no matter how hard you work, someone else is working harder. Oh, goodness. There's nothing greater to make you feel, man, I don't do enough. Somebody's out there working harder, right? And then, of course, our hometown hero from Northeast Ohio, when he came back to Cleveland and delivered a championship, he said these words, in Northeast Ohio, nothing is given. Everything is earned. You work for what you have. Our society loves work. And we believe truly that if you work hard enough, you can go and do whatever you want. And you can get whatever you want. And you can purchase whatever you want. And you can move up the economic ladder no matter what. Just work hard. Friends, there are a lot of people in this world who work 50, 60, 70 hours a week, and guess what? They've never been able to move up the economic ladder. That's a myth, friends. Don't let anybody tell you otherwise. 70% of American households have both parents working, which means a lot of our kids come home from school to nobody being at home or to, well... Somebody else who's working for the parents, babysitters, daycares. Our time is centered around our work schedule. Let's really be honest. Hey, you want to do something later? I got to check my work schedule. I'm here to tell you that God sees you as more than your work. If there is anything that you might need to hear today, is that God 
does not judge you according to how much you work. That is good news. And how do I know this? Well, quite frankly, God has continuously talked about rest in his relationship with us as humanity. Earlier, whenever Terry was reading that scripture from Matthew, Jesus says, come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Do you think that Jesus was was saying that by empty words? No. He was saying that to a people who were overworked in a Roman world where they were taxed up the yin-yang. Yin-yang, I don't know what I'm saying there, but you know, up the wazoo, that's it. They were taxed a lot. And they had to work to be able to pay those taxes. That was the context that Jesus says that. I will give you rest. And so as we look at the fourth commandment in Exodus today, know this, God is speaking to a people who were worked like dogs. The context of the Ten Commandments is this, friends, that God's chosen people were enslaved by Egypt. And as they were enslaved by this guy named Pharaoh who claimed to be God, and he said, you must do what I tell you to do, and I will reap the rewards of your hard work, and you will work when I say you will work. They did not have rest. They were totally and utterly oppressed and enslaved by the work from Pharaoh. And then God liberates them. He moves them out of Egypt, and he moves them into the wilderness. And God begins to do some different things. This God doesn't make them work. In fact, in the middle of the wilderness, God provides them food and water. Every single day. They did not have to work for it. It was given to them. And so over these decades and over these years of the wilderness, and they finally get to Sinai where they receive this covenant that involves the Ten Commandments. I will be your God, you will be my people. Here's how you be my people. And when he gets to the fourth commandment, he introduces what is called Sabbath. Now here's the interesting thing, friends. I've heard pastors today say that Sabbath isn't applicable anymore. I don't know why. Maybe it's because we are so entranced by our ability to choose our career and, oh, but the work I'm doing is what I was called to do. No, no, no. Sabbath is a necessary boundary of freedom for you and I to live the life God always wanted for us. So let us read Exodus chapter 20, beginning with verse 8. It will be on the the, uh, screen if you don't have your Bibles with you. Remember the Sabbath day and treat it as holy. Six days you may work and do all your tasks, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. Do not do any work on it. Not you, your sons or your daughters, your male or your female servants, your animals, or the immigrant who is living with you. 
Because the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea, and everything that is in them in six days, but rested on the seventh day. That is why the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. The commandment is simple. Remember the Sabbath. Remember meaning to appropriate actively. In other words... Make sure you observe Sabbath every week. And what is Sabbath? Sabbath is a day out of the seven where you rest. You stop. You stop being productive. You embrace life. You rest. And by the way, this restful day, it's holy. Yes. You know what holy means? If you're not around church a lot, this is what holy means. Set apart. You ever set apart something? Some of you do it with your food on Thanksgiving. I'm setting apart my food from touching each other, right? <laughs> set apart. Make it distinctive. Make sure that it is noticeable that you observe a day of rest in your seven days of life. Oh, and by the way, the Sabbath isn't just for you personally. It's for the people in your family. It's for those who work for you. It's for those who live next to you. It's for even, friends, your animals. Friends, Sabbath isn't just for humans. It extends beyond humans to all of creation. And why would you do this? Simple. I, your God, I did it. I rest. Really, God? You rest? Yeah, I do. Got a nice recliner. Sit back. Open a can of Dr. Pepper. Walter Brueggemann says this, and I think this is so wonderful. Israel rests because God rests. This God, unlike Pharaoh, this God is not a workaholic. Yahweh has no need to be more secure, more sufficient, more in control, or more noticed. Those four things at the very end, let's reflect for a moment. Why do we work? We often want to be more secure. We want to be more sufficient. We want to be more in control. We want to be more noticed. Whether that be by our boss or our families or whoever we think we need to prove it to, we work more because we're generally insecure about where we are in life. But this God, this God who has saved you, who's provided for you, I almost fell there. This God doesn't need to do that. He doesn't have anything to prove. You are to be like him. 
And you don't have to prove anything to him. He loves you just as you are. Your work does not define you. Now we might make the next question then. The most logical question is then is this. Why did God rest? Because <laughs> after all, God is infinite and amazing and all-powerful and all these different kinds of things. Why in the world would he rest? He didn't have to. But he rests because he, in creating the world, was creating also a rhythm and an order to the world. And for this world to be healthy, for this world to thrive, guess what? It needs to rest. You and I require rest. Animals require rest. Land requires rest. Creation, friends, isn't a machine. It's not a machine that constantly is manufacturing and cultivating and creating and earning. It's a creature, and it needs rest. And what I love about God is that God never told anybody, any of his creatures to do something that he wasn't willing to do first. So God rests to model it for us to model it for the entire creation. Because he knows what's best for us. Terence Fretheim says this, the law is given because God is concerned about the best possible life for all of God's creatures. Rest is necessary. Now, if you're thinking to yourself, yeah, but work gotta work. Don't worry. Work was created by God. If you go back to the creation story in Genesis, you will find God on the first day creating stars and creating and creating a, a, a place for his creatures to live and making the land and creating plants and animals and all these different things. And you know what he does at the end of every one of those days that he works? He says, that's good pretty good. I like that anteater over there. Quite proud of that sloth. But aren't sloths awesome? Truly amazing. Every single day that God works, he says it's good. But when he gets to that seventh day, he rests. And he says, that that day isn't just good, it's holy. Friends, hear this out. Work is good, rest is holy. Work is good, rest is holy. But when we hear this, friends, let's really be honest, our anxiety starts to get up because, you know what, I got a lot of bills. Resting an entire day sounds catastrophic to my current financial outlook of things. Because after all, I'm already working. 
my tail off to make ends meet and to pay bills and pay off debts and all these different kinds of things. But don't forget the context of this command. He's giving this command to people who he has provided for for years. He was the one who provided manna and quail in the wilderness. And actually, God would only give manna and quail six days of the week. Did you know this? If you look just a few verses before, you will find God saying, hey, don't store the manna and quail. It will go bad. And guess what? If they store something for the next day, it went bad. Except sundown on Friday, they were to bring in enough manna and quail for Saturday so that they would have food and they would not have to gather and work on the Sabbath. God provides, friends, so often what we need. When we work, he provides. But what happens in our world, friends, is that we tend to, well, we get distracted with our own goals, we get distracted with possessions, we get distracted with other idols. Let's really be honest with us, okay? I am an Apple guy. I'm going to be really honest with you, okay? In 2008, Apple debuted the iPhone. And you know what you could do on the iPhone? Everything your computer could do. You could text people. You could call people. You could get on the internet. You could shop. You could do all those things. You could get work done. You could get email. You could start banking. You could do all these things. Two years later, Apple says, we're going to launch an iPad. What does an iPad do? Well, it does everything an iPhone does. It's just bigger. Oh, it doesn't make calls. Guess what? People bought iPads. A little bit later, they created an Apple Watch. And granted, the Apple Watch didn't have as many functions as the phone and the iPad had. Now, legitimately, an Apple Watch, you can make calls on, you can text people, you can pay, all those different kinds of things right now, okay? Even though there's already an iPhone and there's an iPad. And guess what? People buy them. Do you know why people buy them? Because, friends, the more you and I make, the more we end up buying. And the more that we buy, guess what? The more we want. And therefore, the more we want, the more we need to work so we can buy the things that we want, and it just gets bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. I am here to tell you that the economic model that you and I live in is completely based on you working your tail off to get more. Continuous economic growth is not what God wants for this world, friends. It's not. He, because guess what those things become? Those, be, those things become our gods and our idols, and we begin to serve those things instead of trusting that God is God. So friends, to practice Sabbath, friends, 
For us to practice Sabbath, our only God must be God. The fourth commandment looks back at the first three and says, I am God and you are not, and you have to trust me that I will provide for you with the work that you do will be enough for you. And you don't have to look to advance your economic stature. You do not have to look to possessions and materials to define yourself as. You do not have to look at your career as your main goal in life. I am your God. Be my people. And so friends, this is why Sabbath was so distinctive for the Israelites because they were the only people in the ancient world who stopped a whole day. And they're all like, what are you doing? What is wrong with you? You gotta, you gotta till the land. You gotta take care of your animals. You gotta do all these things. No, God's gonna provide. Amen. Practicing Sabbath, friends, is a statement in your life of who God is and what he can do. And if you don't practice Sabbath, you do not trust the God who has saved you. You do not trust God to provide for you. There's one other thing. This, this commandment doesn't just go about... <laughs> it, it's not just about us in our relationship to God, it's also in our relationship to others. Did you notice that Sabbath doesn't, isn't just like, oh, well, I get to rest now, but you work while I rest. No, that's not what God does. God says, no, the immigrant, those who are around you, your neighbors, give them rest. All the people who work for you in your estate, give them rest. Your family, give them rest. Your friends, give them rest. Your animals, give them rest. This is the bridge commandment that looks to our relationship with God and looks ahead to our relationship with our neighbors. Because, friends, if we don't give each other rest, you know what we do? we start seeing each other as something less than human. You need to work all the time, 24-7, while I have my rest. Guess what you're doing? You're treating somebody less than what you would want to be treated yourself as. What we begin to do is that if we do not practice Sabbath and give Sabbath to others, we begin to see people as commodities, not as humans commodities that serve my greater good. Walter Brueggemann says it this way, the Sabbath rest of God is the acknowledgement that God and God's people in the world are not commodities to be dispatched for endless production and so dispatched as hands in the service of a command economy. Rather, they are subjects situated in an economy of neighborliness. If we only see others around us as just another cog in the machine and we don't give them rest, we fail to see others as neighbors. By the way, 
If you listen to any politicians, you will find the general concept is we weigh whether or not somebody is worthy of being with us by whether or not they're producing or useful to our society. That is not of God. That is antichrist. That is antichrist. Because, friends, every human is loved by God. Every human was created in the image of God. And if you and I only see other humans as, go get my coffee, make sure you contribute great medical advances to our society, we don't see humans as humans anymore. We see them as assets or commodities. We see them as pieces of an economic venture that will benefit us in the long run. And we begin to choose who we invest in and who we divest in. And that's not love. That's not love. Instead, practicing Sabbath actually allows us to have the economy of neighborliness. Love God. Love your neighbor as yourself. If you stop, guess what? You begin to reflect on those around you, and you begin to be in those people's lives, and you love them, and you spend time with them, and you care for them, and yes, maybe even serve them. Let be, let's be very crystal clear. The Sabbath was not designed for you to rest at the expense of others either. It gives us the ability to be neighbors. What Sabbath does is it takes transactional living out of our week for one full day. Where we say, hey, go get me this. Hey, make sure I get what I deserve. Well, I rest. No, that's not what that's about. We stop and we see the people around us and we love them, and we rest with them. Friends, what we begin to recognize is this. Sabbath keeping, your willingness to keep Sabbath, will affect how you love others. If you have worked seven days a week your entire life, I guarantee you it's really hard to love other people. Because guess what? You are so impressed with how hard you work, and those other people need to work harder. Our willingness to keep Sabbath will affect how we love other people. If you cannot rest and receive the wonderful grace that God has given us, how in the world will you be able to give to others that grace God has given you? So what does Sabbath look like in a 24-7 world? Is it bringing back those old school blue laws and everybody just stop? It's not going to happen, friends. That, that ship sailed. But guess what? God never intended 
for this rule, this boundary of freedom to go beyond, well, really, his people who believe in him. It's really hard to believe in Sabbath keeping if you don't believe there's a God at all that provides for you. Do you see that? So what we must begin to do as his people is to live out this boundary of freedom as almost a resistance, a resistance to the world that continuously says, I need it now. I need to work so I can get it. You want to affect change? You want to show who God is? Be like God and rest. One day, out of your week should be reserved for resting. Now, does that mean you stop taking care of the kids? You got to take care of the kids. <laughs> you can't let a child hang out in a poopy diaper for 24 hours. Don't do it. It will not be a restful rest, I promise. It means, friends, that we take ourselves out of the economy of constantly demanding of ourselves and demanding of others. And it can be any day. It used to be Saturday. Saturday was the Sabbath. Maybe you grew up that Sunday was the Sabbath. Guess what? It's not. Sunday is the resurrection day. We worship on the resurrection day. But that's not an important argument. <laughs> The importance is stopping production. Stop demanding of others. Stop full tilt for a full day of participating in this culture that I can work as hard as I can and get what I want. And trust that God is going to provide for you. Trust that He is with you. Trust that his ways are better than what we think is good. The joke with being a pastor is, oh, pastors only work one day a week. <laughs> and we do. No, I'm just kidding. We don't. But if you're wondering, when, when, when do pastors rest? Because some believe that this right here, right now, is my time of rest. It ain't. When I go home in the afternoon, it's just like, uh, especially with a daughter now that wakes up in the middle of the night, I'm really like, uh. Sunday is not my Sabbath. Saturday is not my Sabbath. If you actually look at our calendar, you will find a lot of our events will actually be on Saturdays. Not to mention that oftentimes on Saturdays, I'm looking to today. No, my Sabbath is on Friday. My Sabbath is on Friday. And that is a day that, legitimately, if you call me, I'm not going to answer immediately. If it's an emergency, call me back again, and I will be there for you and provide. But if you're calling me about discipleship group coordination, nope. If you're calling me about this event or that event, nope. Because, friends, if I personally do not take a full day of just being, of not being productive in the trade that God has called me to, I will go nuts. Legitimately. But in the same way, it gives 
anybody who's ever a part of church life where we're planning this and doing all this, it gives them a day. And so no matter what your job is, you don't have to be pastor, it's important to observe Sabbath. And if you think that you can't because your boss won't understand, never hurts to ask. Because here's the reality of things. I, even as a teenager, told them, I don't work this day. Guess what? They respected that. If you are retired, oh, this doesn't apply to me. Oh, yeah, it does. Some of us in our retirements have made ourselves so busy with the things that we want to do that we don't stop to see our neighbors. If your work has become just about you doing what you want to do in retirement, that's your work now. You better stop at least one day a week. Because you're missing out on relationships that God has called you into loving relationship with, friends. Fourth commandment, friends. It's not antiquated. It's not old-fashioned. It is a part of the created rhythm that God has given us to live out. And it extends beyond our own personal lives to the relationships we have. If Sabbath seems so difficult, what are the things that are demanding our work? And are they indeed idols and other gods that we are serving instead of God who loves us and is with us and has saved us and provides for us? Friends, God has called you to be free to rest. And he means it. Won't you adopt the practice of holy Sabbath and rest weekly? Thanks for listening to Champion Church of the Nazarene's weekly sermon podcast. We hope you were inspired by this week's message. We would love for you to join us on a Sunday morning for our service, which begins at 1030 a.m. We are located at 3924 High Street, Northwest, in Warren, Ohio. For more information about our ministries, or if you'd like to contribute to our ministries online, please visit us at championnaz.org.